Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. We've been in a series for the last couple of weeks entitled Rhythm is Gonna Get You, subtitled Restoring Life's Cadence. And we've been specifically talking about restoring some spiritual cadence in our lives. Uh, As a result of the cray-cray that has been 2020, everybody's life's gotten out of whack and there's a lot of stuff that we need to get reestablished specifically in the area of our faith. And so uh, we've been talking about what it looks like to establish some healthy, godly, spiritual rhythms. Um, If you are joining us today for the first time or maybe you haven't been tuning in for the last couple of weeks, let me give you a working definition for the word rhythm that we've been using. Uh, it's, it's this, a strong, regular, repeated pattern in our lives. A strong, regular, repeated pattern. There's a lot of stuff we need to make sure is strong, regular, repeated in our lives. And so in week one, we talked about creating a rhythm of pressing. Uh, this service was, was a little different than the last service, but I mentioned during the first service that it, it felt like we needed to press in the spirit a little bit. It was kind of one of those atmospheres where you just felt like it was heavy and people weren't able to engage and enter in. And sometimes that's what life feels like, doesn't it? Where it feels like I'm not connecting with God and I feel like my, my faith is kind of a little bit rocky right now and I'm, I'm a little cloudy, I'm not sure. Well, God's called us to be people who press. We don't just stand back and take life and see what, what's dished out to us. No, we press in the spirit. And as Paul said in Philippians, I press on on to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. There's a purpose for every single one of our lives. And then he said, forgetting what's behind, I press on towards the call heavenward. Jesus has called all of us to eternity. And I keep my thoughts and my eyes fixed on eternity and not what I see here in the present. And so we need to have that rhythm of pressing in our lives. And then last week we talked about the rhythm of repentance and how if we repent often and we repent quickly, that we will live a life free of shame. The enemy won't shame us into running away and hiding from God, but they will maintain a nearness with God for all of our days. And hopefully that was helpful to some of you guys. Uh, Today, we're going to dive into the third of these rhythms that I really believe needs to be established. And this one is so, 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 so important. But I have to warn you as we get into it, it's really, really difficult. This one is incredibly challenging. Not that the others have been easy, but but this one's really hard. It's so hard that, that perhaps... Many of the people who who attend church and would claim to be believers have yet to enter into this kind of a spiritual rhythm. And as much as I'd love to believe that this environment, as we go to the word, is is gonna establish something in every one of our lives, I, I know that historically that isn't true. Some of us are gonna walk away from the room today and we will yet to establish this principle in our lives. And I'm not saying that to like condemn anyone or you know, to egg you on. I know certain personality types are like, don't tell me what I can do and what I can't do. You don't know me, you don't know my life. And, if that helps you, then I'll just say, you won't, you know, but uh, if you need that, that's just yours, go ahead. But I really wish you would, even though I, I know that maybe not everybody could, but the reason I wish you would is because if we can establish this one, it will yield massive dividends in our life. It will completely change the way we live and it will set us up well for eternity. And, and this is the rhythm. If you're, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Today, we're gonna talk about the rhythm of God first putting God above everything else. His ways are first. His commands are first. His advice is first. His presence is first. It is the utmost importance. It is the first priority of my life. God first. And you've probably experienced as I have that that is a very easy thing to say we have established, but a much more difficult thing to live out, isn't it? (laughs) Like, like you, can, you can have on your social media profile, like God first, hashtag blessed, but it doesn't mean that God's first in your life. You can wear the t-shirt, this is God first, doesn't mean he's first. 
You can accept a Grammy and say that God is first in your life, but that doesn't mean that you're actually putting him first. You can do a post-game interview on ESPN and say, God's first in my life. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the truth. It is an incredibly difficult principle to live out. Yet, despite its difficulty, I would like to invite all of us onto a journey today, all of us into establishing this rhythm of making sure that God is in the utmost place of importance in our life, that he is first and everything else comes next. So I challenge you, I I, I, I challenge you today to to adopt this and to let it hurt where it needs to hurt. because I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to change our perspective and thus change our lives today as we go to his word, amen? So if you've got a Bible, open it up to the book of Malachi, uh, Malici, if you're Italian. And uh, I got Bible jokes for days, people. I can go for it, all right? What's God's favorite kind of coffee? The kind he brews. Okay. Uh, see, it's like a wave. You get it as it goes on? Yeah, it's good. Put that one in the pocket. You can take it home later. All right, book of uh, Malachi chapter one. We're going to start in verse six. Let me give you a little context because without context, uh, this, this scripture is going to come across a bit harsh. So at this time in history, the Israelites, the Jewish people, uh, they have returned back to their homeland after 70 years of exile in Babylon. Uh, they'd, they'd been turned over to the Babylonians because of uh, their disobedience and because they turned their back on God. And so for 70 years, they were in captivity. But after 70 years, God set them free move them into their home territory again. And we're picking up where they're starting to establish some new rhythms in their life. They're they're establishing what it looks like to do the day-to-day thing. And, you know, they've taken off the masks. There's no more social distancing. They're like, okay, we're back to life as normal. It's good. But in in the establishment of their rhythms, they're they're establishing what it looks like to serve God again. They haven't been doing this for the last 70 years as they should. They haven't been going to his temple. They haven't been offering him sacrifices. And so as they get kind of into this rhythm of serving God again, they, they miss a big one. They, they miss a massive point of importance. And that is the one we're talking about today. They had forgotten to put God first. He was one of many other thoughts and many other concerns in their life, but he wasn't first. And so the Lord comes through the prophet Malachi and he rebukes the Jewish people. Uh, the, a rebuke is, sounds harsh, but really a rebuke is just a warning from God. It's his way of saying, hey, what you're doing right now is not good and I'm gonna call you out for it, but I'm giving you an opportunity for change. And if you do what I say, then things will turn out better for you. That's, that's simply what a rebuke is. And so we're gonna look at this word from Malachi to the Jewish people, this rebuke, loving rebuke from God to his people in Malachi chapter one, verse six. It says, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I'm your father and master, where are the honor and respect that I deserve? You have not honored my name, but you ask, how have we not honored your name? Well, when you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to Governor Newsom and see how pleased he is. And I know how some of y'all are thinking, like, I would love to give some roadkill to Governor Newsom right now, but you know, we'll, we'll sort that out. Uh, you say, it's too hard to serve the Lord and, and you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled are sick of being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these, asks the Lord? For I am, and then look at this, I'm a great king, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, I know that that's not the most encouraging scripture to start out with today. It's a bit of a, I don't feel good about it. But I think there's some principles in here that'll really help us to understand why God demands to be first in our lives and how to establish that rhythm. So let's go to it. If you're taking notes, uh, you can write down the title. We're gonna call this one, No More Leftovers. No More Leftovers. I'm gonna pray and we'll get in. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your word. Help us today. Help us to receive. God, I pray against that fleshly desire to reject the idea that, 
that what this guy from a stage is saying needs to be applied to my life. I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna be rugged independent. Lord, I, I just pray that we would be humble today and we would receive from what you want to say. God, we open our hearts. We open up our lives to you. Your Lord, your King, you, you are our God. We ask that you would direct our steps and direct our thoughts so that we can leave this place changed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Um, I have mentioned from this stage a number of times uh, that my wife is perhaps one of the best cooks I've ever met. My wife knows how to throw down in the kitchen. She's and all of you who've eaten her cooking can say, amen. She's a really, really good cook. Uh, my kids and our friends, we are the beneficiaries of, of her cooking. And, you know, not to brag, but just to give you some perspective, let me just share a couple of the meals that I've eaten over the last 10 days. Uh, I think about 10 days ago, I had slow-cooked barbacoa uh, with some homemade cassava flour tortillas. Uh, she did a little deconstructed street corn thing with some, some homemade hot sauce on top of that. And it was really, really good. Um, a couple days later, we had this rosemary chicken butterleaf salad. Uh, she made a rosemary vinaigrette dressing for the top, some bacon fried uh, peace shoots, I think is what they were called. Did I say that correctly? Pea shoots, homemade croutons. Girl can throw it down. And for our, my vegan friends, if you're here, uh, she made a heirloom tomato salad for us a couple days ago with some chickpeas, uh, balsamic uh, reduction there on top. Uh, and then she made these lion's mane mushrooms that she fried up with some panko bread and made them taste like fried chicken. If I gotta eat vegan, I want it to taste like fried chicken. Come on, somebody, that's, that's how it works. It was so, so good, really, really good food. But, you know, the thing I love most about my wife's cooking, yes, I enjoy eating it when, when I, I get to receive it at a meal, but there's a really awesome added benefit of being in my shoes. No, no, no one needs to make anyone feel jealous. And that is, I get to eat the leftovers. Come on, how many leftover people here? Anyone who really enjoys getting down on some leftovers? It is like a blessing on blessing when like last night's dinner becomes the next day's breakfast or the next day's lunch. You're like, oh, Jesus loves me. Don't get me started on like the honey baked ham from the night before, the breakfast sandwich you can make with that thing. Come on, somebody. The poached eggs on top, little Dijon mustard, hey. Thanksgiving sandwich, anyone get down with the Thanksgiving sandwich? Yeah, the sourdough bread, you, you fry that thing up and you put the mashed potatoes on and then the turkey and then the cranberry sauce, a little bit of mustard. Let's just leave church right now. Let's just all go eat. It's gonna be good, right? You guys down? You guys can figure it out at six o'clock later. Just worship among yourselves. We're gonna go eat. Now, I, I love leftovers. I, I get down on some leftovers. But how many know, regardless how, of how good the leftovers might be, there are some inappropriate times to serve leftovers, Right? For example, let's say somebody here at this service came up to me afterwards and they said, hey, Pastor Tim, um, we've been watching online for the last couple of months. We really enjoy what God's doing through the Father's house. And uh, we just wanted to, to see if we could get dinner with you because we have a very large sum of money that we would like to invest in the Father's house. And we'd like to talk to you about that. And if you're here today, I am 100% available. I will clear my schedule for you, okay? But imagine that person came to my house for dinner this evening and as they walked in the door, we greeted them. We said, hey, good to see you. Hey, just so you know, uh, Sundays are leftover night at the Biddle's house. If you'd like, we're gonna mosey on over to the fridge. We're gonna open up. There's food in there from the last four or five days. You just go ahead and siphon through that. Just tell me what you want. We'll all sit down and we'll grab a meal together. How many know that'd be a little bit inappropriate, right? Yeah. Or, or, or what if I invited over a, you know, a dignitary, an MVP, a, a politician? I won't use any names because that's very polarizing right now. I understand. But you pick your favorite politician and they're coming over to my house. I answer the door, hey, good to see you, come on, take a seat, and they sit down at the dinner table, and it's all set, the candles are lit, the cloth napkins are out, that means it's a good meal, you know, when the cloth napkins are out, and all of a sudden you hear from the next room, beep, 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 
Robin opens up the microwave and comes out with a Ziploc bag steaming full of leftovers. Like, here you go. (laughs) Probably not the right time to serve leftovers. Why? Because the audience demands something better. It would be dishonoring to serve leftovers to someone like that as a guest in my home. And that is the complaint that God has against his people here in the book of Malachi. His complaint is that they are serving him something when he deserves something so much better. They are giving him the leftovers of their life when he has asked, in fact, demanded that his people bring him the first and the best. He says, guys, you don't don't think I see what's happening here? You don't think I see you when you're out there in your field and you're combing through your goats and your sheep and you're like, well, that one kind of has three legs and it's blind and it's maimed and let's bring that one to God and give it to him. You don't think I see that? You don't think I see when you pick up the roadkill on the way to church and you drop that into the offering box? Like, I see it all. I, I, I want the first and the best and, and you just continue to bring me these lame and maimed and ah, like you're bringing me the leftovers of your life. I deserve so much better. And then he makes a statement in, in verse 13. He, he, he drops these three words to describe who he is in hopes that in describing himself, it would provoke his people to honor him as he should be honored. He says, I am your father, I am the Lord, and I am a great king. I'm the father, I am Lord, and I am a great king. Hey, let me remind us today, he is a great king. He is Lord. Sometimes it is really easy for us to get attached to the wonder of his other names. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. He is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. But let's not forget that he's also El Shaddai, the Almighty One. He is also Adonai, he is the Lord. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And by nature of who he is, it demands that we bring him the first and the best of our lives. He needs to be first. And that is his complaint against his people here, that they continue to put him in last place. They bring him the leftovers instead of bringing him the best. But here's the cool thing about serving God. And those of you who've been on the journey for a little while, you've experienced this for yourself. When God demands something of us, it isn't so he can rule and reign over us as a tyrant. It's because he wants to bless us. God's demands always yield his blessings. Can anyone attest to that today? Yeah, his, his demands always yield his blessings. And there is a blessing, an irrefutable blessing, if we put God first in our lives. And here is the blessing. If we put God first, we are guaranteed to have everything that we need. If God is first in your life, I promise you, I guarantee you, you have everything you need. And I, I, can, I can see what's happening in some people's heads and you're rolling your eyes at me right now and I get it because that sounds like a TV preacher promise, right? It sounds like the infomercial, it's two o'clock in the morning, you're sitting there watching TV and someone comes on the screen, how would you like to have everything you need in life? I would like to have everything I need in life. Well, act now if you call 777-777-7777. I will send you some miracle spring water and if you just pour that on anything, it will produce fruit. You pour it on your kids, a little baby, you pour it on your wife, she'll stop nagging on you. Like just, you just, here's the miracle. That's what it sounds like, right? Like, hey, if you just put God first, you're going to have everything that you need. But, but that's not an empty TV preacher promise. That actually came straight from the mouth of Jesus. <laughs> that is from his lips. Let me prove it to you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. The words of the Messiah, he says, seek 
first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will give you everything you need. If you build the rhythm of God first in my life, if you seek him first, you will have everything that you need. Now, now many of us have heard that before. We've read it before. I've preached on it before. But perhaps because of its popularity, it's lost some of its potency. So, so can we just, can we gear down for just a moment? Can we just meditate, Selah, on that scripture for just a moment and consider the gravity of what Jesus just said? If he is first, I will lack nothing. Think about that. If he is first in my life, I will have everything, everything, everything that I need. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of needs. <laughs> I'm a needy guy. I need provision. I need clarity. I need direction. I need wisdom. I need vision. That's just Tuesday. <laughs> you probably have a lot of needs as well. And Jesus says, if you will put me first, you will have everything that you need. If nothing else, that is a promise that's worth testing out with our lives. And if it's true, it's worth, out, worth living out in our lives. Which begs some questions. Okay, if Jesus means what he says here, if I put him first, I'll have everything I need. Where are some areas where I haven't put him first and thus I don't have everything I need? Or maybe ask like this, what would the Bible say I'm supposed to be doing in this area? How am I supposed to be putting God first? And let's compare and contrast and see if there's any disparities. The Bible's chock full of them. You could go cover to cover in this thing and you would write your own book of things that God says, hey, I demand to be first in this area. It's all throughout scripture. I'll name off a few. Uh, what we're doing right now. Here we are at church on Sunday, giving God the first day of your week. That's a command in scripture. He says, do not forsake gathering together with the other believers, as some of you are in the habit of doing in the book of Hebrews, this, this, is, this is something God commands for us to honor him with the first day of the week, whether you're watching online today or you're here in the building today, to honor him with Sunday. Why? Because Sunday is the first day of the week and by honoring God on his day, I'm declaring with my life that this is the first priority in my life and everything else comes after it. I'm giving you this part of my week and so I'm trusting that you're going to take care of the rest of my week. And I'm not gonna be dogmatic and weird about this and be like, don't you ever go on vacation? You better get your butt into church. And don't you ever leave town? Like, I get it, okay? Life and vacation and rest and all of that is important. But please don't be that kind of person who's just scrolling through options. And if church is the, the least likely one or the, you know, the last on your list and everything else was closed and the restaurant was booked, then I guess I'll give God my Sunday morning. No, this should be the biggest priority of our Sunday. 99% of the time, we need to be in the house of God. We need to be connected with the believers. We give him the first and the best. He doesn't come after brunch. He doesn't come after Tahoe. He doesn't come after whatever else you want to fill your Sunday with. It's his day. He says, I want to be first in your affections. I want you to love me more than anybody else. If you love others more than you love me, he says, you are not worthy to be called my disciple. By nature, that statement, the way that I love my wife, the way that I love my children, the way that I love my friends and family should look like hatred in comparison to the love that I have for Jesus. He wants to be first in my affections. He wants to be first in our resources. We talk about it every single week, the tithe. He says, bring me my tithe. The first 10% of your income belongs to the Lord. 
85% of the body of Christ has yet to step into that. It's, it's, it's such a hard one because we think that like, oh, I'm not gonna have enough if I give to God. And, and so we hang on to our own provision and we hang on to our own stuff. And we think that our employer's our provider or that we're our provider. But he's like, would you just trust me with the first 10th of your income? Because I'm the one who actually gave it to you in the first place. And if you give the first 10th back to me, I will bless the remaining 90 and I will open up the windows of heaven over your life, pour out such a blessing that you will not even be able to contain it. Give me the first. I love doing this. Maybe I'm a little too religious about it, but for me, this is what works in my heart. Every time I get paid, the first person who gets my money is not my mortgage company, it's not my, my landlords, it's not the PG&E, it's not the water bill. The first person who gets my money is Jesus. The first thing I do is I give to his house because I want to honor him with my resources and say, I trust you as my provider. This city is way too freaking expensive for me to live here unless you're the one providing for me. I cannot provide for myself. I trust you with my resources. He wants his word to be the first authority in your life. Before anything else, before cultural persuasions, before your messed up friend's opinion about what's right and what's wrong, before a politician, he says, what does my word say? This is the first place I go. Everything else, all my convictions are based first and foremost on this, the word of God. First, first, first. There's a lot of firsts in scripture. But today, I wanna to talk to you about two. In our last few moments together, I wanna to talk to you about two that I think are perhaps some of the more challenging for believers to apply to their lives. I had three, ran out of time, so we're gonna go with two. We're gonna get rid of the third and we're gonna go with two. These are areas that I think as believers, often we miss it and we pay the price for it. But if we could get these right, it would completely change our lives. So, so I'm gonna tell you what they are up front. I'm gonna give them to you so that we can all moan in agony together and then we'll talk about them, all right? <laughs> Here they are, ready? Your counsel and your comfort. God wants to be first in your counsel and in your comfort. What I mean by that is God wants to be first in the directing of your life, who you seek advice from for your decisions. And in your comfort, where do you run in crisis? <sighs> yeah, let's talk about it, shall we? All right. <laughs> Number one, when it comes to counsel, God says, I want you to ask me first. Ask God first. Let me ask you a question. When you need advice, when you need direction, when you need counsel, when you need to know what steps to take, every move you make, when you need to know, who do you ask first? <laughs> your wife, your kids, your family, your mom and dad, your friend, Google, <laughs> Siri. How about yourself? Do you ask yourself what the best move is for yourself? Who do you ask first for advice? Because there's a lot of places you can look for counsel. There's a scripture that my kids have memorized. I've mentioned before that my kids have some Bible verses memorized. And this is one that I can't take credit for. Uh, actually, this was by way of our kids' church ministry. Shout out to my mother-in-law and to Kara, who was leading worship this morning. Thank you for teaching my kids uh, this, this scripture. Kids' ministry is amazing. You should serve in there. You should bring your kids over there. They will raise them for you. It's great. Um, but they taught them this scripture a number of months ago. And I'm like, I love this one. It needs to be in my Rolodex as well. Proverbs chapter 2, verse Eight. If you need a memory verse, here's one for today. Proverbs chapter two, verse eight. It says, the Lord gives wisdom, knowledge and understanding come from his mouth. The Lord gives wisdom, knowledge and understanding come from where? They come from his 
mouth. Permission to go deep for just a moment. Can we go deep? Put on your water wings. Let's go. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about Hebrew for just a second because these three words in the Hebrew are incredibly potent. The word knowledge in the Hebrew is the word da'ath, which means, which means, <laughs> I can talk, perception and discernment. In other words, you ever have like that, that moment where you're like, you just have a gut feeling that you're like, ah, I shouldn't do that. Or, ah, I should do that. Or, you know what I'm talking about? Someone nod your head at me. Yes? Okay, good. If you don't, that's okay too. But just respond so I don't feel like I'm alone up here. All right? Okay. That, that gut feeling that drives you to make a decision. Well, well that's what the, the, the word knowledge here means. It doesn't necessarily mean intellect. It's like this internal knowing, this, this gut feeling that I should do something. The, the next word understanding is the word tavun in the Hebrew. And it means intelligence and insight. So now we're talking more about the cerebral stuff, knowing the right decisions, knowing where things are going to go, kind of having a, a bit of intelligence and some intellect about the future. And that word wisdom in the Hebrew, I can't pronounce it, but here's what it means. It means the application of knowledge and understanding. So let me put it all together. Nice little, uh, nice little cocktail here. Here's what, it, here's what it means. God gives wisdom. He gives us the ability to apply what our gut is telling us and what our intellect is telling us in such a way that we will not make the wrong decisions for our lives and end up in a ditch somewhere. Every ounce of counsel that we need comes from him. The Lord gives wisdom, knowledge and understanding come from his mouth. When I don't know what to do, I don't need to go to 17 other sources. I go to God. Why? Because he is the source of wisdom. Now, now, let me apply that very practically and eliminate some of the ambiguity because I wrote this down. I didn't want to miss any of these. I'm going to read it to you because if that's true, here's what it means. When you don't know if you should take that job, move to that city, invest in that opportunity, go to that school, pursue that career, date that person, marry that person, end that relationship, leave that church, publish that post on Instagram, which if you have to ask about, you probably shouldn't, or anything else that you are unsure about, you don't need to go to your mom, your friend, your spreadsheets, your counselor, or even your pastor first. You go to God first. When you don't know what to do about all of those things, the answer is the same. What is God saying? I can go to God first. God gives wisdom. Knowledge and understanding come from his mouth. I can go to him before I go to anybody else. Before I ask my horoscope, before I ask Jeeves, I don't even know if people do that anymore. <laughs> Before I ask anybody else, I go to God and I determine, Lord, what are you saying? I go to him first. And let me explain why it's imperative that you go to God first. When we don't go to God first, we often ask God to co-sign on a plan that he didn't author. We ask him to bless something that we wrote for ourselves or that somebody else wrote for us. And we do this all the time, don't we? Like, okay, um, I scheme and I strategize and I'm like, okay, uh, this is my future and this is where I'm gonna go to school and this is where I'm gonna work and this is where I'm gonna live and oh, I got this great plan for my life 10 years from now. This is how much money I'm gonna be making. Oh, this guy, he looks good. He's got muscles on muscles and bank accounts on bank accounts and so I'm gonna bring him into my life and I know he doesn't love Jesus, but one day we'll sort that out and it'll be fine and we build this nice little package for our lives and then we present it to God. Hey, Lord, check this out. Ooh, is a good one. You see this guy? He'll get there. He'll love you. But look at him. He's like an Adonis. He's amazing. And, and it's future my plan. And, and, and this is what I have. I'm like, what do, what do you think? If I, God, if I, just, if I just have you co-sign on this, if you just sign off on this and just, you know, bless it for me real quick and, and then we'll move on. 
We've all done that to God before. We've presented him a plan that we came up with and said, God, I need your blessing on this. And God's looking at it like, um, I didn't actually write that one. That was not my plan for your life. Listen very carefully. God is not obligated to bless your plans for your life. He is only obligated to bless the plans that he authors for your life. He is only obligated to bless the plans that he is the architect of. If he has not created them, then he is not obligated to sweep in on the back end of your bad decisions and say, oh, I'm going to go ahead and bless this lifestyle. Not how it works. And sadly, there are way too many believers who did not seek the kingdom first, who did not seek Jesus first, and they are living in the fruit of the plans of their own life. They're living in cities that God didn't call them to, in careers that God didn't call them to, and callings he didn't commission them to, all because they wanted to be the master of their own destiny, write their own plans, own their lives, rugged individualism, the gospel of our day. Hey, you can chart your own course and you can do whatever you want to do with your life, but you do not get to get mad at God when he does not do what you ask him to do. You can't shake your fist and say, God, how could you do this to me? I'm frustrated and I'm angry and I wake up every single morning and I hate where I'm living and I hate my life and I hate my job and I hate it all. Why won't you bless me? Proverbs 19, verse three. A man ruins his life by his own stupidity and then he blames it on the Lord. That is an actual Bible verse. <laughs> you should look it up. It's an actual Bible verse because we do it all the time. Listen, he wants to bless you. He wants to give you the step-by-step -step instructions. He wants to direct your future. He wants to bless your family and your resources and all of it. But it requires a lifestyle that has this rhythm built into it. God is first. Now, small disclaimer, because I know that there's some veteran Christians in the room and you're saying, okay, yes, I understand what you're saying, but doesn't the Bible also say to seek a multitude of counsel? So, so isn't there also some safety in that and not just going to God? Absolutely, okay? I'm not saying seek God and nobody else, don't talk to anybody else, just make a decision. You know, like, honey, the Lord told me we're moving to Des Moines and there's nothing you can say about it. God said, like, okay, hold on. <laughs> yes, there is safety in a multitude of counsel. You should, you should hear from other people. And by the way, when you talk to other people for advice, please do not pull the, well, God said card, okay? When you pull the God said card, you eliminate the opportunity for anybody else to speak into your life because I'm not gonna argue with God, okay? I've had that conversation way too many times. This is personal, apparently. I'm just venting about this for a moment, but you know. How about try this one on? Here's what I think God said and then seek out the multitude of counsel. Because here's, here's a mantra I live my life by and I invite you to do the same. I'll, I'll give you a note so you can write it down. God brings revelation, counsel brings confirmation. Do you hear that? God talks to you first, Okay. I don't go to other people to find out what I'm supposed to do with my life. I don't go to my pastor or my leaders to find out what I'm supposed to do with my life. I go to God and I let God speak to me. And when God speaks to me, then I present what I believe God's saying to those that I trust. Hey, here's what I think God is saying to me right now. Not the other way around. Be very careful of the counsel you are receiving if you have not yet heard from Jesus first. Because it may lead you down a road that you're gonna regret later on down Jesus first, God's counsel first. Ask God first. Number two, and I'm running out of time, so we gotta preach fast, here we go. Run to God first. When it comes to comfort, run to God first. I asked a question with the last one, I'll ask you a question with this one. When you are in crisis, when you are in the middle of a season of trouble, when things are not going the way that you thought they would, whose arms do you run to for comfort? 
Who do you run to? Do, do, you, do you run to a coping mechanism? Do you run to social media to vent? Do you run to distractions? Do you run to mom and dad? Where do you run when stuff isn't quite working out the way you thought it should? Seriously, fill in that blank. When I'm in crisis, I run to. Who, who am I supposed to run to? Because people can run to a lot of different places. But listen, and this isn't gonna sting a little bit, but it's true. Where you run first reveals what you trust most. Let that sink in. When you are in pain, when you are in crisis, the place you run to first reveals the source that you're trusting for your comfort. It shows you where you think you need to go. There's a reason you run there. There's a reason I run there. We, we, we run to places because we think that they're gonna provide what we need in that moment to feel better. People run to coping mechanisms because they feel like it will numb the pain and they won't have to endure it any longer. People run to social media, and this happens all the time, especially with a certain generation. They run and they post and they yell and they scream, but it's really a cry for a response. They want someone to respond back, affirm what they believe, maybe even disagree with what they believe so that they can argue about it and justify themselves. They just want someone to reach back and so they vent on social media. People run to their mommy and their daddy in crisis. You know why? Because they want someone to coddle them instead of tell them what they really need to hear. They, they wanna to run to the place where they're not gonna hear, well, this is actually your fault. You kind of screwed your life up a little bit on this one. No, mom and dad would never say that. So I'm gonna to run to the people that are gonna to lie to me because it'll make me feel better right now. I'm sorry, is it getting a little bit too honest here on a Sunday? I will keep preaching, okay? I'm gonna do that. Say I won't. <laughs> you will. People run to those places because they believe that that's what they need in that moment. That's the comfort that they need. But how's that working out for you? <laughs> Probably not very good. Because those sources for comfort, they always leave us wanting, don't they? They never truly accomplish what we thought they would. They never comfort our soul. They might provide temporary reprieve at best, but they always leave us worse off. It's like drinking salt water. It's refreshing in the moment, but it's gonna leave you dehydrated. It's gonna leave you worse off. Why do we continue to run back to these sources that overpromise and underdeliver that are always telling us what we want to hear, but never what we need to hear? Why do we go back there? Perhaps it's time for us to break that broken rhythm to break that toxic rhythm of running to places that we know we shouldn't be running and run to a source that will provide the everlasting comfort that every single one of us so desperately need. And if you're looking for one, let me offer you one. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse three. These are the words of Paul. He says, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful father. And he's what? The source of all comfort. He is the source of all comfort. He is a wellspring of comfort. He's not one of many options for comfort. He's not even the best option for comfort among others. It's not God and Jack Daniels and God and Tinder and God and my mommy. It's just God. He is the source of all comfort. 
Everything that I need when I'm in crisis, everything I need when things are not going my way is found in him. And here's why Paul makes this statement. And here's a reminder for every one of us who has said yes to Jesus and has invited the Holy Spirit into our lives. Here's what Paul, here's what Paul is articulating that you can write this down. God's comfort isn't just available to you. It's already with you. Here's why Paul says God is the source of all comfort. It's not because he wants you to have a feeling or an emotion or reprieve. It's because Paul understands that comfort is not something. It is, in fact, someone. See, the, the word comfort in the scripture is the word parakleto. And that's a really important word in the Greek. Because it's not an emotion and it's not a feeling. It, it literally is a person. It means someone who walks alongside of you. Someone who walks with you. Flato, let me borrow you real quick. And as he comes, band, you guys can come so that I shut up because I'm out of time. Eric is my friend. We work out together. Uh, we've breathed on each other. So this is not COVID dangerous. Okay. Just for clarity for anyone who's judging me right now. All right. Jesus is, uh, is getting ready to leave the, leave the planet. And as Jesus is getting ready to leave the planet, his disciples are getting a little bit freaked out because for the last three years of their life, They've had every one of their needs met by Jesus. He's provided food and he's provided direction. He's provided protection from them. And, and mo most importantly, he's provided the comfort that every single one of them desperately needed. When the ministry wasn't going the way they thought it was, when the storm broke out on the waters, when, when, when they were scared and, and fearful of the Jewish leaders, Jesus was their comfort. So they're a little terrified about the idea of their master, their savior, their, their rabbi leaving and just kind of going up to heaven and they got, they're stuck here on earth. But Jesus makes a statement to his disciples. It's an odd one, but, but he tells them why. He says, it's actually better for you if I go. <laughs> How is it better for us if you go, Jesus? You, you, you turned you know, the fish and, 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 and the bread and multiplied it and water into wine and like you've done all this stuff for us. How is it better if you leave? And, and, and here's what Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter, or excuse me, John chapter 14. He says, it's better for you if I go because I'm gonna ask the Father and he will give you another comforter. He will give you a parakletos who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I'm gonna go and it's better for you that I go because right now my presence is limited to my physical locale. I, I can't go beyond where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm in human flesh here. So if I'm not present, I'm not with you over there. But when I go, I'm gonna send someone who's called the comforter. He's called the parakletos. He's called the one that walks alongside of you. And he's not gonna leave you when things get bad. He's not restricted to good seasons or physical locations. He's gonna walk with you through every single season of your life. He's the one you can go to first if you are in need of comfort. And so as you're walking through life and all of a sudden, you get the word about the job and you get furloughed and you get laid off. Instead of going, oh, I have to run first to the bar and I have to drown my sorrows. You can actually turn to the comforter first and he'll give you what you need. When, when, when you walk through life and sickness comes and terminal diagnosis comes and unsuspecting death comes, you don't have to run away and find your coping mechanisms for six months while you ruin your life only to try to get it back later. You can actually run into the arms of the comforter and he will wrap his arms around you and he will carry you. That was awesome. And when you are in the middle of pandemic and isolation 
and nothing makes sense and it's the worst year you've ever had in your life. You don't have to find other sources to run to to find comfort in people or social media or wherever else you've run in the past. You can look to the everlasting arms of the Father, the Comforter that stands by your side, the Parakletos who will walk with you, Emmanuel who is God with you regardless of what you are facing. You have the one that walks with you. It's not a feeling. He's right here and he's never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you. So stop running to other places. Run to him first. Thank you. Give him a hand. Good guy. <laughs> Felt like a child when he picked me up there. That was really cool. <laughs> Ask God first. Run to God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and you will have everything that you need. Simple concept, difficult lifestyle, but one that if you're willing to embrace, it will change everything. The rhythm of God first. I want to pray for you. And here's what I want to do. Everyone in the room, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you're watching online, same thing. I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to wrestle with this for a couple of seconds in your seat. Are there areas of your life right now where God is not first? Be honest with yourself. Just ask the areas of your life where God is not first. Maybe it's one of the areas that we talked about earlier. Maybe it's something that the Holy Spirit is breathing on right now and awakening in you. Is there anything in your life? God's like, hey, I, I wanna be back in the position of authority right there. And as he reveals it to you, just do what we said last week. Repent quickly. God, I'm sorry. I got this one wrong. And I'm gonna make changes. Speak to us today, Holy Spirit. And maybe as you're sitting there in your seat or watching, you're praying, maybe there's some that would say, honestly, my whole life falls into that category. God's not first anywhere because he's not really in my world. He's not in my life. You said earlier that he was a great king and he was the Lord, but he's not Lord of my life. He's not the king of my life. I've yet to surrender everything to him. Maybe I did a long time ago, but it's been a while since I've walked with him. I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now before we conclude to invite Jesus back into your life and to make him your king and your Lord. Nobody's looking around, every head is bowed in here, every eye is closed. But if that's you today and you're at a distance from Jesus and you need to get things right with him, would you do me a favor? Would you just quickly lift your hand and look up at me so that I know who I'm praying with? I got you, sir, right there. Ma'am, right there in the back, yes. Yeah, I got you right there, right on. Wow, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, yeah. Eight, right there, come on, yes. Come on, lots of people saying yes to Jesus today. If you're watching online, there's a little button popping up and it says raise hand, you can raise your hand right there as well. I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer. And as I pray this prayer, I want you to just repeat it after me in your heart. Invite Jesus in. This is going to change everything for you. I believe that he's going to ordain your steps in such a way that you're going to find yourself making the right decision and going the right direction from this day forward. Just pray this in your heart. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving your life for me. Today, I give my life to you. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you resurrected from the grave. God, I choose to follow you. I'm tired of directing my own life and charting my own course. I've made so many mistakes, but would you forgive me today? Would you pick me up and set me on the right course? I want to serve you. I want to follow you for the rest of my days 
until I see you in heaven. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we just thank God for the dozen or so in this room and many online saying yes to Him? Hallelujah. Gosh, I love it. I love it, I love it. Hey, really, really important next step for those of you who just prayed that prayer. Um, there's a little QR code behind me and there's a, a number you can text, TFHSF, text that to 97,000. If you're here, you can walk out to our connect table. If you're watching online, you can click that button and fill out that information. But listen, this is why it's so important. We are incredibly passionate here at the Father's House about helping you take your next steps. We do not want you to make the most important decision of your life and then walk out the door without practically doing anything about it. We wanna help you get started strong on this journey. So we are gonna ask you for a little information about yourself. We're gonna give you a Bible. We're gonna tell you about something called First 40, which is during the first 40 days of your journey with Jesus. We'll teach you how to read that Bible, how to pray, what it looks like to live in community, and most importantly, how to do what Emily did today, going to that next step of water baptism and experiencing the freedom that comes from those waters. But we are just, we're really passionate about that. So please do not leave without uh, taking advantage of those things and heading out to our connect table so that we can get you resourced. Uh, for the rest of us, would you stand to your feet? I'm gonna have our prayer team come forward. If you need prayer for anything, please make your way this way. And we would love to pray for you before you get out of here. Otherwise, thank you guys so much for coming to church. Go get some leftovers at somebody's house and have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.